First of all, I want to ask a male question. <laughs> Do you like women's sport? Yes. I don't watch a lot of women's sport. I watch women's football. Yeah. I watched a lot of netball when I was a kid and the sort of Belinda Colling, Donna Lofhagen. Oh, great um, times. Yeah, great Anna Rory kind of times. Yeah. yeah. Aideen Harper. Yes. Will always be Aideen Harper in my, <laughs> in my heart. Before, before Jeff Wilson yeah, I was came along. Say, before yeah. Jeff Wilson stole her hat. Yeah. But um, it's an interesting soul-searching question, actually, because I would say that I'm a big proponent of women's sport, even though that's a really trite thing to say. You know, because what does that actually mean? You know, it's really, it's actually kind of a patronising sentence. I'm a big proponent of women's sport. But it means you're interested in it, and I think that's all, that's that's what's important. Mm. You don't have to watch it all the time, but that you accept that, you know, it is a thing, yeah. that it, it that it's interesting, that it stands on its own two feet, really. I'm Emile Donovan. This is The Detail, and that's Suzanne McFadden. She's the editor of Locker Room, a branch of newsroom.co.nz, which reports exclusively on women's sport. And she's a happy woman. This is a major milestone in the planning for the ICC Women's Cricket World Cup. Today we're unveiling the six cities which will host the tournament here in New Zealand early next year. And New Zealand has scored a big win in its bid to host the 2021 Women's Rugby World Cup and it's beaten Australia to the honour. I can announce the host country of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023, Australia, New Zealand. Congratulations. We are hosting three Women's World Cups in three years. So what will all this mean for professional and amateur sport in this country? I think it's really important for not only for women's sport, but f- for sport in New Zealand and for our young people, male and female, to see that women's sport is uh, strong. It's very, very watchable. It doesn't have to be exactly like, you know, the, the Black Ferns don't have to play exactly like the All Blacks. They have their own style of play. And I think it's really, really important that our next generation see that strength and the backing of New Zealand. You know, that, that New Zealanders back women's sport is really important. We wouldn't have those World Cups here if New Zealand didn't believe that not only is that sport strong here, but that people are interested in it. The government, when they put money into these events, yeah, sure, they talk about you know the economic benefits that we'll have for New Zealand. But I think one of the biggest things they look at is the long-term legacy of holding events like this and the um, ongoing impact it will have on growing sport and and recreation participation in New Zealand for for men and women, boys and girls. These sports look at the benefits beyond 
how much money an event like this can make because, look, some of them don't. Some of them don't make money. The Women's Rugby World Cup, you know, how much money will, will that put back into the economy? They're saying $3.6 million based on accommodation nights, but, again, we don't know how COVID-19 mm. is going to affect that. And um, this is an interesting thing, too, that these sports are going to have to factor that in now. It does sort of feel like New Zealand is kind of positioning itself in a a really promising kind of area as a hub for women's sport, you know, going into the future as as a, a place that really values women's sport and does a lot to to big it up and that this could be our sort of niche, our entertainment niche. Wouldn't that be cool? (laughs) Yeah, um, we'd all love to think that. But realistically, can you see us topping this? You know, three World Cups in three years. How do you follow on from that? And, um, you know, we won't get our chance again for for a long time because these things are cyclic and they move between the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere. So I think the timing with this was kind of magical. But, again, it's because New Zealand backs its women's sport. And we've seen it with the government. You know, they put $10 million into, into promoting women and girls in sport over three years that was Grant Robertson's priority when he became sports minister, was that he was going to grow women's sport here. And so it all ties in really nicely. But it, it, it isn't just um, serendipity. This just didn't happen. You know, it's because I think with each successful bid too, that must make other sports go, hey, you know, we could do this. We could try and get this. If we can get the government behind us, if we can get the right people behind us, we could host a World Cup too. And, you know, that, that I think it's, it's had that momentum, that snowballing effect. The fight for women's equality, in many respects, has only just begun. But there's one way to show the world just what women are capable of. Through the power of sport. Yet today, only 4% of all sports coverage features female athletes which means so many great stories, epic stories, moving stories, important stories, ones with the potential to inspire the next generation aren't being told. You are the editor of Locker Room. Tell me a bit about the the backstory to Locker Room. Like, why, Why was it established in the first place? I was working at Newsroom as a kind of general reporter in that first year, and uh, I'd seen a story on stuff uh, quoting Kieran Smith, the head of the New Zealand Olympic Committee, saying that coverage of women's sport in New Zealand was horrendous. And uh, I sent an email to my two bosses at Newsroom with the link to that story. And all I said in it was, we could do better. And there was no response for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that went down really well. And then uh, Tim Murphy rang me and said, now, about this email. I was like, oh, God, what? And he said, uh, yeah, we should do it. We can do it. Let's just go all out women's sport. Let's just do women's sport. And I thought he was joking because... Did you really? Did you think he was joking? Yeah, yeah. Like that says a lot in itself. In 30 years of working most of that time as a sports journalist, I could never have seen this coming. 
But because Newsroom is small, it's nimble, it can do things like that. And I'm so thankful to him that he came up with that idea. I'd love to say it was my idea, but I can't. And uh, so he said, let's do it. And two weeks later, we were up and running. At the time, I wondered if that was a bit irresponsible, that we should have spent more time building it up and and looking for sponsors. But um, in the end, I think it was the right thing to do. We kind of just went out there and started it. And the initial response was great. People thought, you know, this is cool. And the thing that really surprised me, though, was I seriously thought that big companies would want to sponsor something like that, that, you know, they'd want to get behind women's sport. And uh, for 18 months, we knocked on the doors of of big companies who we thought would have an alignment with women's sport. And, uh, you know, we went away empty-handed every time. And then Sky Sport saw it as part of their responsibility, I guess their push to promote women's sport. And, uh, yeah, we've been really fortunate. It meant... The, the most important thing for us with sponsorship was to give a young woman journalist a chance to work in sports journalism. Mm. There's very few of them. You know, when I was at the Herald for 10 years in the sports department, I was the only woman. They've never had more than one woman there. And uh, it's very hard to find women sports journalists throughout New Zealand now. So, yeah, we um, now have Ashley Stanley working for us. And she's getting that opportunity, and I kind of think that's my um, give back to this too, is that, you know, I can help mentor another woman sports journalist in New Zealand. So my name is Alison. Normally I'm a happy guy and this isn't really my vibe, but I'm not happy. I'm not happy today. I'm not happy that we're so used to, as a women's competition, not even having the dignity of a question being asked about what's going on for us. So what is going on? Because right now, the silence, the silence is deafening and nobody is making the ruckus for us. Nobody is asking the questions for us. So hey, here I am, New Zealand Rugby, what is going on? What is your plan? What are we supposed to be doing right now? What are our girls who should have been getting ready for World, uh, for Olympics? What are they doing? What are our girls who are supposed to be getting ready for World Cup? What are they doing? What are our girls who should be getting ready for Farah Palmer? What are they doing? What am I doing right now? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to wait? Am I supposed to sit on my hands and be quiet? Because you guys, you will hype our shit, you will hype our shit, and you will clip our ticket when we succeed. But right now, we're in the middle of another challenge, and we're invisible, as per usual. So, hey, challenge to NZ. Up, what's going on? But the challenge to the sports media: ask the question. Locker room is self-described on its Facebook page. <laughs> what did I write? Self-described on its Facebook page is um, is quote dedicated to promoting New Zealand women in sport. End quote. Which is, I think, a really interesting sentence because I'm curious. Do, like, do you see yourself as a sports journalist, like a sports reporter, or as an advocate? For women's sport or, or a, a blurring of the lines? That is a really good question. I think I started off seeing myself as a sports journalist and those lines have blurred. And I'm not, I'm not a, I don't see myself as a great advocate for women's sport. And I don't say that in a bad way. I see myself as telling stories that aren't being told that help to grow women's sport. Um, so it's it is it's a crossover really, but if that can help to get more women 
in girls playing sport or to get more guys interested in women's sport, then I think that's a good thing. That's that's what I'm trying to do in a roundabout way. The the lack of coverage of women's sport in the media is, is a pretty well-publicised thing, but the scale and scope of it is even so. I mean, I've been reading up on it for a couple of days, and the scale and scope of it is really quite staggering. You know, it's, yeah. I think it's something like 5% of newspaper reported just dedicated to women's sports. They're, they're yeah. most like 10% of, of broadcasting. Mm. Which which actually puts us up among the leaders in the world, believe it or not. Uh, yeah, unbelievably, yeah. yeah. What's the problem? I see it as not enough women in decision-making roles. And I think that's also across sport in New Zealand. You know, there needs to be women making the decisions about what's covered. And, uh, of course, you know, women's sport doesn't have to be covered by women. Anybody can write stories about women. They're just interesting stories. Mm. You know, everybody's got a story to tell. The same sports competition can be experienced in different ways, depending on whether you're a man or a woman. Listen carefully. The day I won the gold medal, hardly any newspapers talked about me. They said that everything I had achieved was thanks to my training and that I could be proud of him. He was on the cover of all the magazines. They named him the Golden Coach. It was his moment, his victory. I felt so disappointed, I couldn't believe it. It's time the media gave women athletes the coverage they deserve. This World Radio Day, UNESCO and your local radio station join together to make sure that all athletes are covered equally. Tony Bruce from the University of Auckland, with whom you're familiar, um, has done a lot of work in this area of media coverage and of women's sport. And she actually made the observation in a piece last year that while overall coverage of women's sport might be increasing if you just look at column inches, one of the issues is that there is kind of like a meta element to it with a lot of pieces along the lines of, like, isn't it great how women's sport is taking off? And I'm curious as to your thoughts on that as well, as to whether at a certain point that kind of narrative becomes counterproductive. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I see a lot of stories along those lines that are, I guess they're they're issues-based, you know. Why isn't there more women's sport coverage? Why isn't there more um, money being put into women's sport? When, to me, we should just be doing it. It's the question of whether at a certain point that narrative becomes patronising, you know? If you're covering sport in a really self-referential kind of way with the whole elephant in the room being women's sport is underreported and we're reporting on women's sport, yay. It must put you in in an interesting position. And, I mean, you, you were talking about the death of sports journalists in New Zealand before. Some of New Zealand's very best sports journalists at the moment are women, you know? Dana Johansson's there... Ricky Swinell is yeah, there. You, yeah. you, of course, you were there. The Ribbon Dahunia, you know. Yeah. Another one of the reasons that there isn't as much women's sport coverage is um, the squeezing of, of column inches in newspapers. When I was at the New Zealand Herald in the 1990s, Monday morning's sports section would be, you know, 10 pages. And I might have five stories in there. And now you look at the New Zealand Herald and it's down to tabloid size and um, it's down to two pages a day. And, you know, part of that is 
because of COVID and that there's not a lot of support happening. But, um, yeah, we're seeing a, a real um, squeeze on the room that you can you can tell stories. And in a lot of situations, women's sport doesn't take priority. And you may get a news bulletin without a women's sports story. We saw the demise too of radio sport during COVID. Thanks very much to Mark Kelly for producing our program, the Radio Sport Breakfast. Stay safe today. For Monday, we will rejoin you tomorrow from 6 a.m. That was Kent John signing off yesterday on Radio Sport, uh, but there will be no more tomorrow. Radio Sport has been taken off air indefinitely. NZME, which owns the station, pointed to the cancellation and suspension of virtually all local, national and international events and competitions. Which was a really, really sad thing. Um, Funnily enough, I have a son who's at radio school who, it was his dream to work at Radio Sport. Mm. And, you know, I was schooling him up on telling women's sports stories. I don't know if he would have done it. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's... He would have if he wanted dinner. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really sad that we no longer have that uh, breadth of opportunity to broadcast and publish sport, let alone women's sport. Sport is interesting, right? And that sport is a lot of things. You know, sport is a business. Sport is a, a way to get fit. It's a, there's a health aspect to it. There's a community participation aspect to it. In a country like New Zealand, it forms a big part of our national identity, I would say. And Absolutely. That it's also a big sort of cultural institution in many countries around the world. New Zealand, again, being a, a good example of this. But some people might look at what's happening, particularly in women's sport at the moment, and say this is this is almost turning into a political issue or a social issue. And those same people might say sport and politics don't mix. Yeah, I think it's a really important social issue. And that whole sport for fitness, um, for, for our health and well-being, sport also to build communities, I think that's really, really important. And I think we sometimes forget about that, that, you know, grassroots sport holds communities together in a lot of situations, especially at the moment. And, you know, we are kind of world leaders right now in getting sport playing again. Mm. When you look at netball, it's the ANZ Premiership here is, is now in its third week. And as far as I know, it's the, it was the first women's sport in the world to have crowds again. And so sports like netball and club rugby starting again, um, club football, people recognise that this is really important to lift the morale of a country as well. And it's not all about, you know, winning medals and um, bringing home World Cups. It's about making us all feel good, feel like we're a nation working together, you know, as we did through COVID, I guess. But, you know, there's there's just so many elements to it, like you said, that um, it's a really healthy thing to have in in your community. And mindful of that, you know, three World Cups in, in three years, actually, now that I think about it. What do you hope comes out of these tournaments? What do you hope that they achieve in, in the domain of women's sport? First of all, I'd like New Zealanders to go and watch. I want them to embrace women's sport, to see it for what it is, that it's entertaining, 
that it's enlightening, that it's important. I want more girls to get active, to get playing sport. I want the women in these teams, whether you know they're from Zimbabwe or Poland or New Zealand, to be role models to these young girls and, and boys, you know, just to be seen as good people. And I'd like New Zealand to come out of this looking like we're a leader in promoting the interests of women, not just in sport but across the board, because we are, and the world is starting to see that now. Do you think that we are? Are we world leaders in the area of sport? I mean, we say that to ourselves. Do, do you think oh, yeah. that's true? Um, well, a lot of countries tell us that we are. It's really hard to know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. you know, we led the way with um, women's pay parity in football in the world. That was huge. Mm. Uh, same with cricket. And so, yeah, I think, I think we are among the front runners in, in the women's sports movement. And, you know, we're a pretty little country, and that's, that's a pretty big responsibility. That's it for today. I'm Emile Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so other people can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Rangi Poek and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Suzanne McFadden. Kaki te anō.